This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 226, Angie Hernandez on Hypnotic Blogging. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. So who could have possibly known that the experience of growing up as a child and selling cotton candy that was formed to be a shape bigger than the child herself, or perhaps the experience of selling corn dogs, would actually end up being the perfect foundation to go off and then become an outstanding hypnotist? And you know, part of me just wants to stop this recording right now and just have you think about that for the next week, though we might as well keep rolling, because this week I've invited Angie Hernandez onto the program from Indiana to chat about her experience growing up in a family of, she said at first, carny folk, but then from there, the experiences of life where hypnosis kept appearing, and then going off and getting training, then going off and forming her own business and working with clients, and also on top of that. We spend quite a bit of time talking about the art of blogging, of writing regular content online for people to interact with, for people to gain ways to meet you, which is as a bit of a sidebar to this. I'm constantly amused as I'm out there talking about business, and I find the hypnosis community, really any wellness community, does this quite frequently. The, the game, as I call it, of platform versus strategy, uh, where you'll hear people say, yeah, but blogging doesn't work anymore. To which I think the follow-up question needs to be, are you actually doing it? Because clearly, as we're doing it, now there's actually value to it. And yes, indeed, this conversation with Angie reminds me I need to start doing it again. <laughs> Every podcast episode is released as a blog page, but I want to get back into the writing on the Virginia Hypnosis website. So thank you, Angie, for that inspiration. Though what's great about this is getting into that conversation of, as she says, just get started. And it's the value, we're going to talk about search engine optimization inside of this dialogue, but at the same time, we're also going to spend some good time talking about arming our clients with techniques so they own their change. So as much as we can be that direct hypnotist to get in there and help them to resolve a potential challenge, the same way that Angie is out there helping you arm yourself with the tactics to blog about your business and serve your clients even better, plus an amazing ethical, ethical, ethical spin on how we harness current news and actually talk about it from a hypnotic perspective. Angie nails this perfectly in a way that I think many others need to take notice of. So you're going to get the real, you know, user's experience as to what it's like to be there in her office, what it's like to see the inner workings of her business. And check back to this podcast session a little bit later, because in terms of time, she's got a book coming out later this year, which come back to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com. That's where even as of now, you can get the links to the free resource she talks about. You can explore her local business, but also on top of that when the book comes out we'll go back and refresh this website too while you're online as well check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com to get the roadmap to build your own successful hypnosis business there's no need in our 21st century era to try to go at it all alone all by yourself this is why i give you step-by-step -step tutorials screenshot demonstrations the actual outlines of talks and presentations that i've give given plus some done for you marketing campaigns why reinvent the wheel for basic what you can earn by selling your service in a powerful, ethical way. You can make back the investment for hypnotic business systems very easily. Check that out online, hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. And with that, let's jump directly into this week's content-packed session. 
I want to do some sort of carnival barker thing, but let's hold back. Here we go. This is session number 226, Angie Hernandez on Hypnotic Blogging. Someone came into my shop. I have a little shop in a small town. And she said, your dad hypnotized me once on the fairground. We were concessionaires at the fairs. And I said, well, he did. I don't remember him doing that. But it got me started, started me thinking, and I sort of kind of did have some kind of vague memory of that. And not that long after that, I began to have some physical health problems, which sent me to look for a profession where I wasn't on my feet so much. And that bug was in my head. And then hypnosis kept presenting itself to me until I had to pay attention to it. Yeah. So was it the experience of going and working with a practitioner that helped to do that? Or was it something more on your own? Not at all. I was just looking at changing careers and it kept being put in front of me. I felt like God was putting it in front of me. (laughs) And I said, well, before you drop the boulder on me, God, I'll pay attention. I really thought it was just a whim on my part. I didn't know there was such a profession as hypnotherapy. I had no clue. And Mm -hmm. so I looked around just on a whim and I found HMI and they had an introductory course for a month that was free and they didn't ask for my credit card. So I thought, okay, I'll take this course of a month and then I'll get it out of my system. Yeah. Little did I know. (laughs) Which that, that brings up a beautiful point, especially for those out there that, you know, do trainings that not everybody takes the course with the goal of opening up shop. And I've mentioned this here before I was the, I was at that time, the full-time stage hypnotist. And I was quite honestly doing my, you know, hypnotherapy training to at least figure out why it was working. But also quite openly, I wanted to put fancy letters after my name. And the line was, I'm not going to do this therapy crap. I'm just here to, you know, to learn more. And now it's all I do. (laughs) So I like to ask, what was that? What was that spark for you? What was that catalyst to then realize this is something I actually, I want to do as a living? By the end of the course, of course, they were selling their paid course afterwards. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't certify with them. You certify with the union. But all the the information they said about it, they talked about how getting a degree in psychology, how long it takes, how much you have to put into it. And at every step, you think you're there, and then you have to go to more school. Well, my niece was doing that. But, you know, in six months, you can be practicing doing this. The other thing that I really loved about it is once I've done a job and I feel like I I have a good handle on it, sometimes I tend to just get bored. Mm -hmm. And hypnotherapy is so broad. There's so many places you can go and so much you can learn. I really felt like I would never get bored, that I would continue to learn. And I really love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that aspect that every session really is different, even if we end up specializing in one or two specific things that there's always that flexibility. Is there a story of working with clients that kind of illustrates that flexibility for you? Well, I feel like, gee, just about every session (laughs) is like that. I've been working, I had a second session with her this week with a a mentally impaired young lady of a 19. She's having a big major surgery. And I've been working with her grandmother for some time. And so her mother brought her in and wanting to and wanting me to help her with anxiety before the surgery and maybe with pain control after she'll she'll have her jaw wired shut for 
at least six weeks, but the recovery will be even longer. And so working with her going in, I'd met her before, but I wasn't quite sure uh, her mental capacity, capacity where we would go with that. So I had in mind when I met her, maybe we'll do this the way I do a younger child. But she surprised me where she got more of it than I thought. And I did some of the things I planned. I created a an audio for her this week. I'm going to do another. But when she came back this week, I was very surprised at how she'd practiced the breathing techniques. I'd ask her to practice the anchor to her favorite blanket that I taught her and how they had a family event. She had gone the extra mile and used those techniques to calm down when something happened that weekend. So yeah, a client can surprise you. Right, right. And, and you often do get that surprise where you may have, you know, as much as we want to have every bit of positivity and as much as every bit of encouragement towards it, sometimes we may have that reservation to go, well, given this circumstance, you know, I had a guy years ago with sleep apnea and his was very specifically, you know, a blockage that they had to go in and do surgery for. So, you know, even the fact that, as he put it, there was like 50% improvement of the quality of sleep is that whole moment of going, oh, yeah, that's right. This stuff works. Yeah. <laughs> is there is there a certain specialty that you've kind of fallen into or something you focus on more than anything else? I never expected I'd worked with children. Yeah. Uh, but it turned out as I started to do that, I really love that. They're very open and they're, they're fun to work with one-on-one, uh, even teenagers who I usually – but heads with one-on-one <laughs> once they get to me one-on-one they're, they're usually very cooperative cooperative and enthusiastic uh, i had a young man about a month ago who graduated and turned 18 for his birthday he asked for hypnotherapy to help him eat a larger repertoire of foods because he was he was not going to continue swimming competitive swimming and he was afraid he would gain too much weight the way he liked to eat yeah, and it was a joy. We just had a wonderful time. Are there specific issues you find working with kids more frequently with? You know, pretty much kids. It's all anxiety. Mm-hmm. Every, it's it's every issue that is coming to me is rooted in anxiety. Yeah, our kids really are under a lot of pressure these yes. days. Yes, and I think that's what led me to write the book I have coming out called DIY Calm: A Hundred One Ways to Go Instantly from Anxiety to Calm. Oh, beautiful. And each page is a new way for a person on their own to find calm in this anxiety-ridden world. Yeah. And a lot of them are ways that kids could be worked with. So let's let's chat about that. So you're working with someone with anxiety. What what tends to be your approach towards that? My number one is always anchored breathing. Yes. Anchored breathing. And it works with everyone. Smokers love it. Mm-hmm. But it really works for everyone. That's the technique I taught, taught this young lady. She will have a hard time breathing when she comes out because of the jaw surgery, the upper palate split. They're also going into the sinuses. So she will only be able to breathe through her nose, but there might be blood that'll have to be suctioned out for a week or more. So she needs to be able to breathe through her nose calmly and quietly without being afraid. Yeah, and if you don't mind, could you describe that anchored breathing? Anchored breathing, I usually anchor it with both hands, taking the thumb and the first two fingers and rubbing them together, breathing in for a count of four, holding that breath for a count of four, and releasing for a count of four. Now I explain to them that later on, when they practice this a few times a day, just touching the fingers together will begin it. 
and the purpose of it, to uh, the practicing anyway, is to get a person to, their mind will automatically start this before they even have the thought that they feel anxious. Nice. It ties into the vagus nerve system, and it's a physiological way to calm. It must calm you, even if you need three breaths, you might need 10 breaths, or maybe you need to breathe this way for half an hour. So what? You're breathing anyway. Yeah. Oh, I love the framing of that, which builds in the presupposition, it's going to work for you. It's just a matter of how long you need to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's great. so cool. Right. And you're setting up that cool automatic response that we often find ourselves, you know, setting up strategies that I think too many people, you, you phrase that in a beautiful way. And the opposite of that is to go, when you feel bad, do this, which is indirectly giving that suggestion that they're still going to feel that problem. They're still going to be in that. But this becomes even before you're aware of it, you're now using this technique if necessary. Correct. And yeah. smokers get it. Smokers get it because I say, you know that smoking can't calm you because what's added to tobacco, but what does calm you when you smoke is the way you're breathing. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach you how to do that without the tobacco. Nice. Nice. So it it becomes the strategy, would you say it tends to be focused more on giving them strategies, giving them methods to do hypnotic things of their own choosing, or are you also then going in and directly addressing the issue too? We're doing both, but I want my clients to have tools they can use when they're not with me. I feel like it's incomplete if I don't teach them how to cope on their own through most of what life throws at them from day to day. Right, right. Do you handle that any differently with kids? Not really. I go a little further with kids to where I teach them the anchored breathing, but then I say, now I'm going to show you a ninja trick so that you can do this when you're in school or around your friends and they won't even know what you're doing. And so I, I change it up a little bit and show them ways to do it so they can do it anywhere and not be mm-hmm. afraid someone will make fun of them. That's that's such a great resource to give somebody, especially I'm my, my phrasing of that is things you can do anytime, anywhere, and nobody knows you're doing something. Yeah. Which to give them <clears throat> excuse me, to give them the ownership of that strategy. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned anxiety. Anything else you specifically focus on? If I'm getting a multiple session, session one is always anchored breathing. Session two is also tapping, always tapping. Tapping is another great, great method that works with the vagus nerve. In each session, first we're going to talk about their issue. Depending what it is, I'll probably ask them, when was the first time you noticed this? What was going on in your life then or within two years before that? And then we might work directly on the problem depending on what it is. But for example, that first session where they learn anchored breathing, when I take them into hypnosis, we're going to do some anchored breathing there to -hmm. drive that home. Yeah, yeah. So are these things that you've developed over time? Have there been inspirations? Have you had to kind of give a bit of a brief resume in terms of what helped to really influence your style working with clients? Where have these inspirations come from? Gosh, you know, I've been in hypnotic (laughs) women for since its first few months. uh, Someone recommended me in there. And I really love that group because many times I've gone in and said, I have a client that has this issue. They're coming in. I think I know how I want to proceed. What kind of ideas do you have? And I've gotten so much inspiration from that group. They're very giving. We help each other. It's awesome. But a lot of it's just experience, Mm -hmm. hypnotizing over and over again. After the session, thinking through what you did, 
saying, where can I, what do I wish I could have done better? And when they come back and they tell me maybe what worked or what didn't, knowing where to go next. Right. Yeah, that flexibility. So here, here's a question. I'm realizing I've never asked anybody here. How is it you go about deciding with the client, let's phrase it this way, when they've graduated from the process? I let them decide that. Yeah. Um, usually I'll tell them, up, they'll ask me how many sessions it will take. And depending on the issue, I sell single sessions, but also packages of three or six. Mm-hmm. I'll tell them up front what I think it will take, but I'll always tell them, this is really up to you. If you feel that uh, this issue is taken care of in the three sessions, then great. If you think today's has done it, then great too. I'm going to let you decide mm-hmm. what yeah. it is you need and if you need more. So in that initial inquiry, you are allowing that choice of either come in just one to kind of see how it goes or jump right into a program? Unless it's a program I already have. It's, right. If it's weight loss or smoking, they buy the package and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tell them, I used to have smokers quit after the second session because they quit and they didn't see the point. But sometimes they relapse because of that. And so I'll tell them up front, it's three sessions, and people that are the most successful long-term come to all three sessions. Yeah. And so sometimes on the third session, we will have some extra time because they're doing well, and I'll throw in something else that they might need during the hypnosis. Maybe they need a little pain control or anxiety work. I'll Mm -hmm. throw that in. But sometimes that third week, for some reason with smokers, the third week can be a little tricky. Right. Yeah. And especially, you know, the tracking over time and I've kind of fallen into the catchphrase that you do something a couple of thousand times, you start to figure out some nuances to it. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, you know, here, here's where we're probably going to end up. And, you know, I, and I especially love the reference back to hypnotic women, which is an outstanding group that I hear uh, <laughs> in terms of just an outstanding ongoing resource. I've actually had Kelly T. Woods on this program now. I believe twice, I think, and I'm cheating now and looking at my notes for the show notes. Yeah, back session 11, proudly before I figured out what the heck this thing was going to end up being five years later. Then only, actually, no, about a year ago uh, now, 174 Kelly was on the program talking about mindfulness and hypnosis, which really just brings up that great resource of just identifying that we have an outstanding community. We have people who are out there looking to help each other. And the catchphrase I live by, the more we're all successful, the more we're all successful. Now, I had invited you on here because on one side, I see you you know, representing yourself outstandingly as a professional hypnotist. On the other side of things, someone who clearly is understanding the business aspects of it. But before we get into some of the things you're currently doing to help others, let's keep in that backstory for a little bit more. What would you say you did to really get those first, let's say, first 100 clients? I wanted to be certified by the union, so I had to have 200 hours under my belt to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, and because I have a little shop, and at the time I was still doing flower work and other kinds of work, I had people coming in. So I just told every single person that came in what I'd been studying and that I was looking for volunteers, and I did 200 hours gratis. And so I could get that certification. And once I did that, I began doing public speaking again, telling everybody I saw what I was doing. And I did public speaking where at the end of the little presentation I had, I also did groups at the libraries. Uh, I would pass out my card and I'd tell them to turn the card over and on the back, 
write 20, and then let's say today, I would tell them write 20, the number 6, the number 21, or the number 7, and the number 21. I'd say what that means is by a month from now, by 721, if you schedule a session with me, I'll do it for $20, but it has to be within this 30 days. Mm. And so I saw a lot of people for a cheap price, but it got the word out. Yeah, which I love that. Uh, as a quick story, I'll make as quick as I can. I was at a marketing convention about, because there's something beautiful inside of what you did there. I was at a marketing convention about two months ago, and they did make it a big deal to tell everybody, you know, there's going to be about 800 people here, and this is specifically for this one community, and this is not going to be what's often called a pitch fest. It's not going to be, you know, one speaker after another just simply trying to sell you their products and services. And as much as that was the promise, I'll leave out who it was for polite reasons, but someone got up on the last day, and she is a bit of a celebrity in her industry, and oh man, it became the biggest sales pitch possible. And I'm looking around, and the person next to me is getting uncomfortable in their seat and going, oh, I hate this. And they're looking over at me, and they're going, are you transcribing this? I'm like, yes, I'm writing down every single word. This is amazing. I'm not buying the product, but this is amazing. <laughs> which what she had done was she sent out everybody uh, a sales page, which, you know, when she launched into her pitch, she goes, my assistants are now handing out the, the form for this or the application for this. And at the top of it, it says uh, six months access. Go ahead and cross that out and write in lifetime access. Okay, do you see where it says 2495? Go ahead and cross that out. These are from last week's event. Just write in 975. You're going to get a much better rate. Now, she basically had people filling out the form before she mailed the sales offer. Yeah, that's genius. Which I know, right? And they're going, wow, that's great. I'm not buying the product. But, <laughs> but I bring that up because you were bringing a natural sense of interaction into that offer. You know, it was nothing that would have come across as false. She was having us correct something that I'm sure this was no mistake, uh, was technically for another event, but you were having them engage with something, but because they had physically taken action with you, the same as if you're giving a demonstration, do something tangible for people. When you're doing those, was the theme all about hypnosis? Were you going specific? What would you say was the content? If I, was, if I was speaking to a group like the Lions, I usually had a really short time, and we talked about hypnosis, yes. and I, I gave a question and answer mostly. Uh, when I did my programs at the library, I usually had a, a three-program deal with them, or each week for three weeks, I did a different thing. One week, I started out doing vision boards, and I did a hypnosis, which was turn down your craving, and I did, the last one was tapping. Mm -hmm. So those each had you know, the element that I was speaking about. And just at the very last minute, I did the thing with the cards. Yeah. Which also gives a reason to hand out the cards rather than just, hey, buy my stuff. Yeah. And I really got nice feedback from that. People liked it when, when I started and I was just handing out cards. I saw people kind of leave them on the desk or throw them in their purse. And I didn't get much response from that. Right. But doing it this way was nice. Yeah. Now, is that a strategy you've kept up over the years now that you're no longer doing $20 sessions? <laughs> I haven't because I haven't been speaking for a couple of years. Yes. I, I take care of my mother and her situation's gotten and needs more of my time. So this past year, I've really had to cut back my practice at least mm -hmm. half or more this year, even more. And I haven't been speaking. I, I'm getting ready to go out and start doing corporate speaking just because if I stay in my area, 
I can get paid well within a day and still be home that night to be right. with her. So I, I am making some changes, but just because of her health, mm-hmm. I, st- I still see clients, but on a limited basis. Yeah. Well, we find there's moments where, you know, running the business doesn't need to be the priority or even shouldn't be. So that's wonderful. The, I know go, it's temporary, but yeah. that's the way I have to do it for now. I want to go back to something that you said really early on here, that you were working as uh, concessionaries. I grew up in a concession family, five yes. generations of candy makers. Yeah. I still have cousins that are out doing on the circuit, doing that this summer. I got to hear more on that. <laughs> or let's put it let's put let's put it in the context. What what experiences from growing up? I mean, it's a lot of creative people, I'm sure, a lot of business people, I'm sure. What influences from that really helped you to step into this career as the hypnotist? Sales. Yeah. I mean, you grow up in a family business and we were required to work from a very young age. You learn how to sell pretty quick. And now my dad's family, that's uh, who were the concessionaires, they were even brought up, they had to get out like a barker and they were told, that we called it calling them in. You had mm-hmm. to call them in. I was, unless forced, I would never did that. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> but that's the atmosphere they grew up in. And, you know, even way back, the great grandmother who brought the business from England, they even had more connections with the show people. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember very young that my family had lots of crazy friends that were from the sideshow that they did at the time and, you know, all those things. So, yeah, growing up in a family business, planning your stock for the day. My dad was a thinker who said uh, each kid, as they get old enough, should have their own specialty and their own stand. Mm-hmm. So we had the main stand with all the candy, but I was put in my own stand, which was corn dogs. Nice. My sister was c- cotton candy and yeah, so we were out there planning our stock for the next day, telling our mom what she needed to go out and buy for us, for sales, everything that went into it. And I believe yeah. five years of the program, we can now successfully say that is the first official corn dog reference on the program, <laughs> and nothing makes me happier than that. I'm willing to bet you've never had a carny on your show before. I've had a lot of stage hypnosis people, so... <laughs> <laughs> Will they- would they outright say they were carnies? I don't know. I, I would hope so, because I've got massive respect for that. <laughs> yeah. It's hard work. It was very hard work. It, 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 I'm sure it was. I don't have a specific frame of reference, but I mean, you're suddenly out there, and you only it only works if you're out there doing it. When we were told that we had to be the first ones open, mm-hmm. and we had to be the last ones to close. Which is an amazing, I'm sure, an amazing work ethic that comes from that. Yeah. So I've got and to ask, what... Picking up your business, loading it up, and moving it every week. Yeah, so <laughs> explain to me the skills of selling candy and corn dogs. Well, I didn't do like a lot of selling. Like my dad would really like right, us yeah. to stand and yell out to customers, come over here and buy corn dogs. But <laughs> candy pretty well sold itself unless you wanted to do add-ons, which, mm-hmm. you know, as a nine-year-old kid starting out, I didn't care so much. But <laughs> we split off. I had a brother who's 12 years older than me. So one year we had fairs that overlapped and he and his new wife and I went to one town while the rest of the family went elsewhere. Well, at the fair we went to, there we also had a cotton candy stand separate from the main stand, and we all caught a flu bug. I mean, a bad one. 
and I was only nine, so I wasn't really expected to run a stand by myself, but I had to because we were down in bed sick. Mm-hmm. We took turns. So at nine, I was like, okay, if I remember, cotton candy on a stick was a quarter, and I wanted to see just how big I could make it. So I would pile it on. I had a <laughs> lot of people as an audience because I was making these huge things. Then my brother got a hold of me and said, no, that's not what we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Although so definitely, that, again, drawing a crowd, something that's different that people go, what is that? And then they're drawn in and you've kind of indirectly yeah. described how very often the, the conversation with people concerning hypnosis comes into play. Exactly. When you're so small, you have to stand on Coca-Cola you're learning at a young age then yeah so fast forwarding the story and this is again part of why i invited you on is seeing that you've been doing some work in terms of helping other hypnotists to get out there and better drive their businesses share share with us more about that well i got into blogging to promote my website and you really have to have an online presence these days Mm -hmm. It's not really as necessary for me. I'm in a small rural area with no one else. Um, But if you're anywhere where there's more than one hypnotist, you've got competition. And eventually I will be. Eventually we'll move to Indianapolis and there's competition there. So to be online, you need to look like the local expert if you want to get clients and compete. And the other thing is the younger generations, they don't use phone books. They don't use yellow pages. They go to YouTube to mm-hmm. find a plumber. So if you want them to find you, you're going to have to be out there. And for me, blogging is the way to go. Yeah. So what do you typically blog on? Um, I have actually not been blogging just for maybe about three months because I had a crisis with my mom. And mm-hmm. But most of my blogging, I actually have two blogs, which is kind of crazy to do that much work. <laughs> I found out. My hypnosis blog I really simplified it to where I was looking for topics that were current. Like uh, way back a year or more ago, I think I was one week I wrote about when the kids were trapped in the soccer team that went into and they were trapped there. And so I was writing about what if you were trapped in the dark? Are you afraid of the dark? I wrote about that. And I wrote about around election time way back when I said, uh, you know, or is the election making you fat? Talking about the stress and oh, wow. anxiety nice. that comes of things like that. So I was looking at the news. I was looking at what people were talking about on Facebook and addressing things. I, I had a system where I did one week I'd write about weight loss issues and the next week I'd write about hypnosis for kids issues. My second blog was when I started writing more and making a course for blogging. Yeah. And so on there, I was writing about roughly what can blogging do for your business and why should you do it? And why is it important to be visible online? Mm-hmm. And what's, what's great about this is that, you know, with everything online nowadays, again, going to, to marketing conventions, the amazing thing is that the, the two most trending things that were at this event I was just at one of them, the, the the breakout phenomenon that everyone was talking about was direct mail, <laughs> sending a thank you note to somebody in the mail, which Jody Skulls was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we spent a lot of time talking on that. But the other big trending thing 
is that as much as here's chatbots and Facebook, here's automation and email systems, here's how, you know, I'm, I'm open about the fact that I record this program on a regular basis, but I tend to batch produce it. We're actually recording about five or six weeks before this is actually uh, going out. The, the number one trending thing was people to people connections. So that ability that someone is looking at your business, Angie, and they're trying to figure out, you know, do I work with this person or that person? And there's no competition anymore when they're building a relationship with you. You're no longer that commodity. Yes, and, and they can look anywhere because we can do online sessions. So your competition may not just be in your town. It could be international. Yeah. So how can people learn more about, because you put together a course on that, right? I did. The course is not open right now. The course about the course I have called Hot Diggity Blog. Nice. Is, <laughs> every year it comes with a planner that you can print out yourself. I actually print out a planner and handwrite my appointments on it and mm -hmm. my goals. Um, that won't be out till after August. It'll be closed until then. Yeah. But they can get they can get a free little course I have called the Super Simple Blog Framework, and that's free to them. That tells them like the modified, super quick way I have that you can start blogging within a couple of days. And I give you all my tips and tricks, the stuff I learned from making lots of mistakes yeah. over the past few years. <laughs> and you can find that on the website, AngieJHernandez.com. And it'll give you a prompt to opt in for that. Excellent. It's three, three short videos. So you could be up and blogging by Monday. Right. And what's beautiful about this is that there's so many directions it can possibly go that, you know, here's, you know, I, I choose the platform of podcasting, you choose the platform of blogging. And in our modern era, it just becomes the strategy of pick the way that you want to communicate with your audience. Some of that comes down to what tech level are you the most comfortable with? And really, I mean, are there specific tips and pointers you can share here on getting that content out there? Sure. The first thing I teach in there is exactly what I've been talking about is being current and topical with yes. what's going on in the world. But to get you started, what I recommend is write down the top 10 questions that people ask you whenever you're out and they say, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Write down those 10 questions they ask about hypnotherapy or hypnosis and make each one of those 10 your first 10 blog posts. Just like you were telling someone in the store, make it conversational. Right. And then after that, you have a choice I give you in the little course. You have a choice of looking topically again to Facebook discussions, the current news, or maybe you're that person who has a book in your head, a book you've been wanting to write, but you don't have the time or it seems like too big of a task. We'll sit down and take that book and write out an outline of what you want to put into it and take short bits of that book and make each short bit a blog post. And each one of those eventually will link up to make your book. So now you've got about six months worth of content that you'll be able to repurpose at the end by linking them together into a nice book. That's, that's outstanding advice. And I love what you were mentioning earlier about basically what's considered an editorial calendar to plan out in advance. Here's what I'm going to be writing about because it's when we're putting it off to the specific week on hand 
that's where we start to fall short. That's where we start to, you know, uh, we start to procrastinate. And as an example of this, I've got open on the screen of my computer right now that, you know, you were being released on the podcast episode 226 on July 5th. And I've actually got everything pretty much figured out until September. And today is June 21st. So, you know, it's a great way to do it. Otherwise, it can begin to weigh on you and be a chore. Yeah. Do you recommend writing weekly? Do you recommend batching it? I let them decide what they want to do, because sometimes if they think about I'm going to write one weekly, that's what I have been doing. They just won't start. It seems too big a task. So I said, even if you only write once a month, just get started. And just get a few out there so that people can see you, so that Google can start to move you up the page. And I think usually when they find they start, just get started, maybe even once a month, they'll start thinking of more ideas and making it more frequent. I prefer the weekly because it keeps your name up there. When you have your subscriber list, they get used to seeing you on a certain day. They like that. And Google will keep refreshing and I think one of the most important things is that Google sees that and starts moving you up their page of importance. Right. And we all know when you go to Google and look something up, you're going to probably click on the first or second thing on there mm-hmm. and ignore the rest. Yeah. And as many people message me really on a weekly basis going, hey, do you have a good SEO company? Do you have a good company for search engine optimization, paid traffic? My answer is always it has to begin with content. It has to begin with actually putting the real information up there. Otherwise, there's nothing to point at. And this is where Google could actually penalize you by hiring a company to try to make you go up the search engine ranks when there's no valuable content to actually make that appear. So it's by having this entire library of stuff that people can go through. And yes, some people I'm sure will land on your websites and just go, oh, I like her. Let me call her. And there are people out there who will read every single page. Yeah, and there are. They're, they're, mostly they'll see that you have stuff. Right. Oh, that's a dangerous phrase, but that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It totally is. You know, you just have to be able to, I hate to say that it's a game and you have to play it, but life is a game and we have to play it. Mm-hmm. We have to meet our clients where they are and they're online. Yes. Uh, I mean, if you saw the story, I saw it on Facebook yesterday and it was on the national news today where young people are growing bone spurs like horns out of their skull because their heads are tipped down too much on social media. You know that's where people are all day long. Oh, I want to Google that, and I don't want to Google that at the same time. <laughs> it's cool. I saw it yesterday, and sure enough, on the Today Show, there was the story. Yeah, I think it came out in the Boston Globe. Right, and yeah. my, my version of the modern marketing game is to point out that, well, when you're working on your website, just go ahead and work from the assumption that it's never going to be loaded again on a computer. Because the statistics are pretty close that everybody's looking at on mobile. And the value of having this amount of content out there is the truth that not everybody is discovering your information when they're in their, when they're in a position to make a buying choice. They're not always in a buying decision mode when they're looking at your website and reading your blog, which is a very polite way of saying they're on the toilet. So to have that, <laughs> to have that opt-in offer, to have that ongoing mechanism, they can subscribe to further information. That That's fantastic. So that's, again, NGJHernandez.com. That's where they can get that? That's where 
in and get the super simple blog framework course, a three video course, real short, that tells you the quickest, fastest, down dirtiest way to get your blog up by Monday. It's it's a quick one. And it's free. Nice. Nice. Outstanding. And we'll make sure we link to that over in the show notes, of course, as well at worksmarthypnosis.com. So I tell you what, let me ask you this, to look at the shape of working with clients, to play that, uh, let's call it that informed child game. If you had to go back and give yourself suggestions when you first got into this career, what advice would you have given yourself back then, knowing what you know now? I think I would have done even more speaking and maybe a little more um, getting out into the medical community. I was, I'm a little shy to do that, but I could have made myself. The speaking, I, I don't mind speaking. I wish I would have done more of that because now I'm, I'm limited with my mom's care. I'm a little limited on when I can get out and do it. But honestly, uh, the speaking was a big way because I'm in a rural area. I'm in Amish country, a very small town. And talking to those local clubs got the word out to business people, to movers and shakers in these towns who see lots of people that I don't. I'm stuck in my little town. I think I would have done that, more speaking. Which what's beautiful is we we find ourselves at these places where maybe it's scheduling-wise, maybe it's family situations, but there does come that moment where we step away from it. But what you've already done is outstanding. You've created systems so that when the timing is right, you know exactly what to do, and you're able to one-up that game every single year. Yeah. I, it was kind of amazing. I, I did hire a company to do a little work for me, and unknown to me, he subcontracted out some work somewhere, and this person came back on me and took down my website and held me for ransom. Oh, wow. And so uh, that's the, where this course came out, actually. And I was bound and determined I was not going to pay anybody a ransom. Yeah. Uh, the, my companies told me that the, he had hundreds of backdoors and it would never be over. So I took the whole thing down. I set it up from scratch again. And I doubled my business that nice. year. Nice. <laughs> and that's where the course came out. I thought other people need to know how to do this. And uh, to use the appropriate professional terminology, you sent a thank you card to that a-hole, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was like, you know, hand-driven. Right. (laughs) Imagine it that way. (laughs) I'm trying to remember the situation. I had a student of mine that was trying to get was trying to get a local writing opportunity in a magazine, and they just wouldn't return her calls. And she goes, "What do you think?" I go, "Get angry about it. Why? Use it to figure out something better." And that's actually what launched a podcast that she does that's very specific to one specific need, which now she's using the ability to talk about that niche market to then represent herself as the hypnotist, who clearly is the expert in helping you resolve that. So the same way that you talked about leveraging the local news, which I want to highlight something that I wanted to bring up from that. That was beautiful how you did that. And this may be a pet peeve of mine. You weren't going, look at this horrible news story. Here's how I can handle that better. And I see that's how too many people handle, you know, tragic news. Here's the celebrity who takes their own life from depression. And there are people I have blocked on Facebook because I've seen them a little too salesy, you know, using that to their benefit. Here's some tragedy going, I can help prevent this. And there is some level to don't do it that way. But what you were doing there was outstanding because you were bringing up the story 
you were then generalizing it in such a way that now it's no longer about the event. You're basically giving them your through line. This is what this event reminds me of. This may be something similar to what you're dealing with. And here's how I can help you with your issue. You're not coming in and saying, I can fix this better, which that's. Well, even when I was writing my blog post and saying, you know, here's someone who died of depression, depression, I wasn't saying I can fix your kid if they have depression. I was saying, here's five signs to look for in your kid, your teenager, that might mean they have depression and what you can do about that. It wasn't telling them to come see me. I was saying, look for this. Here's how to talk to them. Or maybe it's time to see your doctor. Outstanding. And that's the way to do it. That's the way to ethically carry out that conversation. Well done. So, uh, Angie, where can people where can people find out more about you? I'm on Facebook under Indiana Hypnosis Center, and my hypnosis website is IndianaHypnosisCenter.com. And you know, if you want to join the discussion about how to use a blog for your business, then you can join my private group on Facebook, which is the Smart Cookies Hub. Nice. Outstanding. And I know this is going to come out just before HypnoThoughts Live. What are you doing out there this year? I'll be training for an hour on my method called Connecting to Your Source. And I call it Connecting to Your Source Updated because I trained it two or three years ago. And we've taken this method and friends have used it and we've tried it in new ways. So there's some new ways that it works really well. Version 2.0. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Along with a hope. I hope I'll have my DIY column book published by then. I'm, I'm planning to, but it depends on mom. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's wonderful what you're doing there. And this has been great having you on here. Been wanting to have you on the program for a while now. Before we wrap it up, any final words to share with the listeners out there for their own success? Just keep doing it. Just keep practicing hypnosis every chance that you get. But always look back and say, here's what I could do better or here's what this client taught me for the next client. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for your reviews online, sharing this on your social media streams, and of course, too, reaching out to the people who are on this program, sharing what you've learned from listening to them and continuing that relationship in positive ways. It's very frequent that I have someone on the podcast and they say, oh, this person signed up my course for my course because they heard me on your program, which this isn't meant to just be that promotional tool. It's really meant to highlight people like Angie who are out there doing phenomenal work. So again, head over to the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com to get the links to go explore these resources that Angie has made available. And while you're there, check out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com to get the roadmap for your own successful hypnosis business. Rather than reinvent the wheel, shortcut that learning curve and start becoming that hypnotic business success today. Check that out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. See you on the inside. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. Hypnosis.com.